Well, good morning, church family. I know I'm not the bald man that you expected to see this morning. My name is Tim Johnson, and I am the student pastor here at Sherwood. And I'm so excited to be here this morning with you on this incredible weekend. Tomorrow being July 4th, where we get to celebrate our nation's independence. And I know that many of you are excited tomorrow to go out, uh, as Ken said earlier, to spend some time smoking meats. That is very important. But also spending time with family as we spend time around the grill, doing whatever it is that you do that day. And I know there's a special group of you that are going to go out tomorrow. And you're going to buy these things that will fly high into the sky and explode. My only request is that at 11 o'clock at night, cut it off. Amen. All right? All right? But just know while you're outside and you're blowing up your fireworks and you are having fun, the rest of us will be inside with our dogs who will be freaking out. We'll be trying to keep them from having mild panic attacks. But however it is that you choose to spend this weekend, the important thing that I want us to remember is that this freedom that we enjoy, it is not and was not free. It is a freedom that has come at the cost of the lives of many men and women all throughout our nation's history. But this freedom that we enjoy today, it's also a freedom that is a gift that God has given to us. And so as you celebrate, as you spend time uh, with your family, with your friends, with your dogs, <laughs> remember that, that this freedom has come at a great cost and is an incredible gift. Now, that would have been an incredible message series and a way to, like, launch straight into my message this morning. But Pastor Paul's got you covered on that in the book of Galatians on Sunday nights. And so this morning, I'm going to be sharing a message with you. This is one that I actually shared with the students at SCA several months back during their spiritual emphasis week. And so this morning, I'm going to be talking on the topic of guarding your heart. We're going to be talking on the topic of guarding your heart. Now... Just by a show of hands, I'm a student pastor, so I love interaction. So know that this morning may feel a little bit different if it doesn't already. But how many of you in here are parents? Just by a show of hands. Raise them really high. Very good. Look around. Oh, look at all of you. All right. Now, how many of you as parents would love to see your kids walk in wisdom and to live wisely? Raise your hand. The same amount of hands went up. Very good. All right. Now, whether you're a parent or not, how many of you would love to walk in wisdom and to live wisely? Raise your hand really high. Very good. If you didn't just raise your hand, you made it on like 15 people's prayer list this morning. All right. So this morning, that's what we're going to look at. If that's you, you're going to love this message. It's because this morning we're looking at the topic of how, uh, the importance of guarding our heart and how we can live and walk in wisdom. And the key truth I want us to look at this morning is this is that wisdom follows a path that leads to a person. Wisdom follows a path that leads to a person. The path is timeless, and the person is Jesus. That's what we're going to be unpacking this morning. So if you've got your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open them up to the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, verses 20 through 27. And to give you a little context as you're turning there, this is Solomon. Solomon's speaking to his son, and Solomon's desire for his son is just what many of you have the same desire for your kids. Is that his son would walk in wisdom, that he would live a life of wisdom. 
And so he begins to tell him how he can do this. In verses 1 through 13, he begins to tell his son. He says, seek after wisdom. Seek after wisdom. He says, son, listen to my instructions. Do not forget them. I I know that many of you, if you're parents in here, you understand Solomon's emphasis. Because uh, I have have two kids. I have a 7-year-old daughter and I have a 5-year-old son named Declan. And my son Declan is one of the most hyperactive kids around He literally will just run around the house in circles. Many of you can relate to this. And I'll look at him and be like, buddy, what you doing? He's like, I'm exercising, daddy. And I'll be like, dude, you got to calm down. But the other thing that he does is that from the moment my son wakes up, he is talking. And he continues to talk all throughout his day until he lays his head down. He falls asleep and he's like, daddy, you're the best dad. And he's just gone. Like, he just talks and talks. He never stops. And I can see Solomon kind of looking at his son in the same way that I look at mine. And he's like, son, slow down. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're going really, really busy right now. And you've got a lot of things that you're thinking about. And he's saying, son, listen in. Listen to my instructions. Do not forget them. And then he says in verses 14 through 19, he tells his son, I want you to also avoid temptation and sin. He says, don't live like those who are doing evil. In fact, when you see the way that they're living, son, he's like, just do the opposite. Go the opposite way. Don't be around them. And the reason why is because he wants his son to be able to avoid this. And this is what leads us in to our text for today. So Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 27. Let's read it together. And I'm reading from the NIV translation. It says this, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight and keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought. To the past for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Let's pray. Father, this morning as we just open your word, as we look at it, Father, I'm just praying that, Lord, the spirit of truth would speak this morning. That, God, my foolish words would just fall away. And that, God, the truth of your word of who you are that we have sang about would just be clearly heard this morning. Would you teach us the importance of guarding our hearts? We pray these things in your holy name. Amen. So in this passage, Solomon actually begins to go through and he mentions multiple different body parts to us. But at the center of this section of scripture in verse 23 is a body part called the heart. Now, when he mentions the heart here, he is not referencing the beating organ in your chest of which mine is beating at a thousand miles per hour right now because of nerves. All right. Solomon is going through and he's mentioning this heart because the heart in the Hebrew, the heart was the source and the location of knowledge. It was the source of decision making. For you and I, we would translate this in our time to mean the mind. We would think about our heart being our mind. Our mind is what things enter. Our mind is what controls our decision making. But I think Warren Wiersbe goes through and he kind of summarizes what Solomon's trying to get across when he says that the heart 
is the master control of your life. He says your heart is the master control of your life. Because what Solomon wants his son to see is that, it's, son, it's through your heart that your words are going to flow out of your life. It's through your heart, son, that your actions and the things that you do are going to flow out. And so the first thing I want to begin to see in this passage is this, is that your heart is the source of your life. Your heart is the source of your life. And everything you do flows from it. Everything you do proceeds out of your heart. This is why Solomon says, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. He's saying, son, protect your heart. Because it controls your life. And the second thing we need to begin to see is that our heart actually reveals who we are. What people see coming out in our lives is coming out in and through the heart. Because the heart is what reveals our true character. Our heart is what produces the fruit that people see in our lives. And Jesus actually goes through and he teaches this. In uh, Luke chapter 6, you don't have to turn there, it'll be up on the screens. But in Luke chapter 6, verses 43 through 45, Jesus talks about this different types of fruit and how the fruit, we see this coming out in our lives. He says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. But a good man, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. And then listen to this. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. I love how Jesus is just so simple. He's like, hey guys, you, you'll never believe this, but a good tree, guess what it does? It bears good fruit. He looks at me, he's like, guess what a bad tree bears? I'm sure the people are like, you are a revolutionary teacher right now, all right? It bears bad fruit. And uh, then he looks at him and he says, you can actually tell the difference between trees based upon their fruit. And then he begins to get into his main point. And he's saying this, is that what comes out of our hearts is reflective of what we have put into them. What is coming out of your heart and being seen in your life is reflective of what we have put into them. Look at back at verse 45. He says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the opposite is true as well. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. And we see that our mouths and ultimately our actions as well reflect this. He says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So this leads us to a really important question then. How do things begin to enter into our hearts? Well, Solomon actually helps us understand that. Look back at verses 20 and 21. He mentions, again, two body parts, the ear and the eyes. And these are the receptive organs that he's talking about. He says in verse 20, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. He's talking about the things that we listen to, the things that we hear, the voices, the podcasts. The radio, the movies, the things that we hear. And then he mentions the eyes in verse 21. He says, do not let them out of your sight. He's saying also the way that things enter is through your eyes. The things that you fix your eyes upon. The things that you watch. The things that you observe. This includes also the lives of the people that we admire 
and we look at. And so what I want you to understand is that Solomon's going through and he's saying what you hear and what you see matters. Because what enters your heart or what enters your mind and your, through your eyes and your ears influences both your heart, but it also influences your words and your actions. And everything that you do proceeds from it. So he begins to explain what other things are controlled by the heart. In verse 24, he mentions the mouth. In verse 25, again, he mentions the eyes. In other words, the direction that our life is going. He mentions the feet as well for traveling on the path of wisdom. And so Solomon looks at his son. He says, son, in light of all that I've just told you, listen to this wisdom. Verse 23, he says, above everything else that you do, above all else, guard your heart. Because everything you do, son, is going to flow from it. Above everything that you do, guard your heart. So our next question we need to answer then is, well, how do we do that? How do we actually begin to guard our hearts? And I believe there's at least three ways that we see in this passage. The first one is this, and we've already mentioned this. But it's that we must begin to view our hearts as the control center of our lives. We got to begin to view our hearts as a control center of our lives. We got to begin to reckon this truth to be just that truth. That our hearts are controlling the things that we say. Our hearts are controlling the things that we do. Our hearts are the source of our character. Our hearts are the source of our identity. And when we begin to believe this to be true, then we can begin to look at what the second thing he says is is that we must see our hearts as a precious treasure that are worthy of protection. We've got to begin to see our hearts as a precious treasure that are worthy of protection. He says, above all else, guard your heart. Now this word guard in, in Hebrew, it, it means to guard it as a precious treasure, but it's not just a, any type of treasure. It's a precious treasure of which thieves are ever ready to rob you. The imagery here is that we're to guard it like a fortress. The enemies are ever on the attack. And I want you to know, church family, that we have an enemy that longs to gain influence, that longs to gain control over your heart. In John 10.10, it tells us that this enemy longs to steal, to kill, and to destroy your life. And the way that he longs to do that is through your heart. And he longs to do that through the things that you are putting into your heart. But I want you to know, he does this in a really sneaky way for most. For most of you in this room, you are not going to have that Job-like moment to where life just begins to fall apart. Because for many, that would be too obvious of a way that he would attack us. That if just every Christian, he just begins to just bombard with trials and issues. While we have small ones... A lot of the times the way that he begins to enter us and begins to try and influence us is through busyness. If you begin to ask anybody, I'm sure many of you this morning when you're walking in, you're greeting somebody and you're like, hey, how are you? And of course they said probably that traditional answer of I'm good. And then they just kept on going. <laughs> or they asked, I'm good. How are you? But a lot of times when I sit down for coffee with people or I sit down just to spend time with friends, I'll ask them, I'll be like, hey, how are you doing? They'll be like, I'm doing really good. I'm just what? Busy. Or I'm tired. I'm exhausted. And the reason why is because we live in this culture 
where busyness and hurry is something that is almost like a pandemic amongst us. I love what Adrian Rogers said. He said, if Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. If he can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. The missionary Hudson Taylor, he once wrote, he said, the hardest part of a missionary career is simply to maintain regular prayerful Bible study. Okay, pause. This is a missionary. It's Hudson Taylor. Okay, like this dude was incredible. All right. And he tells us, he says, the hardest part of being a missionary was just simply to get up to have prayerful times where I'm reading my Bible and spending time with the Lord. Listen to why he, what he says why. He says, because Satan will always find you something to do when you ought to be occupied about that, even if it's only arranging a window blind. And isn't it just true? Like you sit down to read your Bible and you're like, here we go. You got your coffee. Like you're ready. It's the morning. Maybe for you it's nighttime. But for me it's in the morning. I got my coffee just like grounded all fresh. It's all nice. I sit down. As soon as I begin to sit down to read, something just begins to catch my eye. It's like, oh, I need to go fix that. Let's open the windows. It's a beautiful day. And I open the windows and I go and I sit back down. I'm like, okay, Lord, all I want is you. You are so good. And I begin to just, just to start kind of praying. And all of a sudden my phone goes bzz, 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 and begins to light up. And it's like, oh. And then I begin to remember that email that I've got to send. And then I begin to think, oh, I didn't call that person back yesterday. They're going to be so mad at me. And then I begin to think, oh, well, you know what I should do? Right now would be the perfect time because I'm being with Jesus to take my phone out, take a picture of my Bible and be like, spending time with Jesus. I mean, like we begin to think that these are the things that we need to do during our quiet times. And the truth is, it's just like Hudson Taylor says, is we get distracted by thousands of little things. And oftentimes the reality is they're actually good things. And then what happens is our lives as well are just caught up in this busyness. We're caught up going here, going there, doing this, doing that. And the truth is the things that we're caught up doing are all good things. Like nobody's at home like plotting evil, hopefully. I mean, like that's not what we're about. We're not off doing evil things or doing things that aren't good. We're doing good things. Like we're going to work. We're going, we're taking our kids to school or if you're, a student, you're going to school, you're doing these different things, you got homework, you got sports, you've got kids, you've got a social life, or for some of you, the lack thereof, but you're trying to get one. And so we've got all these things, and then we put it in the digital age, we compound all this. And what begins to happen is that living in the digital age, any moment that we actually have downtime in our lives, what do we do? We pull out our phones, we get on social media, we read the latest news story that's come out. I mean, let's just be honest, we've got access to hundreds of thousands of movies, of TV shows that everyone's watching. We've got to keep up with it. I just watched The Chosen, I don't know about you. But the, uh, but the reality is, is we have all these thousands of things that we're trying to do, and they're all good. None of them are inherently evil, but the truth is, is that this, we live in this busy culture that's become so acceptable. And what Satan knows is this. He knows that if he can distract our hearts with the busyness of this world, he can keep our hearts from focusing on Jesus. He knows that if he can get you distracted with all of the good things in this world, he can keep your heart from focusing and listening to the greatest voice that you will ever hear, and that is of Jesus. And so what's happened is, is we live in a culture 
where many Christians are struggling to follow Jesus. And the reason why is so simple. It's because all they're doing in the morning is just giving Jesus a nod through their quiet time or by reading the verse of the day, by maybe listening to a quick Bible study podcast on their way to work. And then they're going throughout the whole rest of their day, filling their heart and their mind with the garbage of this world. And we begin to ask, we're like, well, why does my life not look like Jesus? Why do people, why do my coworkers not see Jesus in me? It's because you're getting out what you put in. A little bit of Jesus and a whole bunch of worldly garbage. And so what we begin to do is we begin to look at verse 24 that reads this. It says, keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. We look at verse 24 to read, stop cussing, stop gossiping, stop speaking bad about others, which is what that verse is saying. But what Solomon is trying to get us to understand, what he's trying to get his son to see is that there is something that is so much deeper It's not that you just have a behavioral problem. Your behavioral problem is because you've got a heart problem. And so what we've got to begin to see is that what is coming out of our hearts is reflective of what we put in them. And that is why your heart is a precious treasure that is worthy of being guarded. And so here's what I would love for you just to see this morning. is that as believers in Jesus, we are temples of the Holy Spirit. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit if you are in Christ. But I want you to understand the problem is that many of you don't see yourselves that way this morning. And what you are doing is you are allowing things into your heart, into your mind, the place where the Spirit dwells, that should never be there. And this is why we have to begin to see our hearts as this incredible treasure that is worthy of protection. So the final way that we begin to do this is that we must surrender the throne of our heart to its creator and fix our eyes upon him. We must surrender the throne of our heart to its creator and fix our eyes upon him. Listen to what Solomon says to his son, verse 25. He says, Son, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Solomon's looking at his son and saying, Son, focus on the prize. Focus on the prize. It's wisdom. Fix your eyes upon it. Fix your ears upon it. Because that is how wisdom is going to enter your heart. And that is how wisdom is going to come out of your life. And as we begin to fix our eyes and our ears upon wisdom and upon truth, our hearts will begin to be filled and controlled by it. And out of our lives is what we will begin to see coming out is wisdom. But the wisdom of Solomon, I want you to understand, is pointing us to someone. If you look back at our key truth, it's this. It's that wisdom follows a path that leads to a person. Wisdom follows a path that leads to a person. The path is timeless. But the person that wisdom is pointing us to is Jesus. 
You see, on this side of the cross, we know that wisdom is pointing us to Christ. And I believe that the author of Hebrews in chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, gives us this beautiful picture of what Solomon is trying to say in verses 25 through 27 in light of the cross. He says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Listen to this. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. I can just hear the author of Hebrews, like a really excited coach on the sidelines being like, just keep going, just keep running, throw off everything that keeps you from focusing your heart and your mind upon Jesus. Just keep running after him because if you look at him, you'll begin to see he's all that you need. He is sufficient. He is supreme above everything. But the question is, church, is do we actually believe this? Like, do we actually believe that Jesus is all that we need? Do our lives reflect a heart that is focused upon Jesus? Is what's coming out of your life pointing others towards Christ? Because if we want to begin to guard our hearts, if we want to begin to walk in wisdom and live a life of wisdom, Church family, we have to begin to see that our hearts are the source of our life that control everything. We've got to begin to see that our hearts are a precious treasure that are worthy of protection. And we must begin to surrender the throne of our heart to his creator and fix our eyes upon Jesus. As a follower of Jesus, let me ask you this this morning. Is Jesus what's coming out of your heart? Is Jesus what your coworkers are seeing? Is he what is the center of your life? If the answer is yes, then this morning continue to guard your hearts as a precious treasure. Keep walking the path of wisdoms towards Christ. Keep your eyes and your ears focused upon him. But if this morning, believers, if your answer to that question in all honesty is no, then this morning, know that we have a God, a Father, who is full of grace. He is full of mercy. And just like the prodigal son as he returned home, our Father is wide open with his arms of love, ready to say, come on back, son. I've been waiting for you. But this morning, for many of you, if you're a believer in here, and that is you, this morning is, an, is the morning to begin to repent of the things that you've been focusing your eyes and your ears upon that are not Jesus. And here in just a moment, our pastors are gonna be down at the ends of the aisles. So I'm gonna invite the band up. And what I'd love for us to do is just spend a few moments just thinking and beginning to ask and say, God, what are my eyes? What are my ears fixed upon? What is coming out of my heart? Is it a little bit of Jesus and a whole bunch of worldly stuff? Or is it truly Jesus that people see when they look at me? Because your heart is reflective of what you're putting in.
and your heart will reflect what your eyes and your ears are fixed upon. Let's pray. Father, this morning, as, as we begin to wrap up our time this morning, God, I'm just praying that for believers in here, the Father, for those who do know you, who are walking this path that, God, they would continue to, that are walking on the path, the timeless path that points towards Jesus. But Father, for those who are in here tonight who maybe are not walking that path, maybe they've just gotten distracted by different things, maybe the busyness of life is what has just gotten them off. Father, I pray that today those believers will just begin to repent, to come back and just to say, Jesus, I just need you to focus my heart, my eyes, my ears back upon you. But if you're in here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus, you've never made that decision to allow him to be king of your heart, I want you to know that you were created for a relationship with Jesus. You were created to have this relationship with God. But your sin, it separates you. It separates you from being able to have that relationship. And there isn't, there's nothing that you can do in your own power, your own strength to fix that. And so what God did is in his love, he sent his one and only son. He sent Jesus to pay the penalty for your sins, which was death. And through his death upon the cross, through his resurrection three days later from the dead, what God is offering you this morning is a gift like any other. It's the gift of eternal life. It's the gift of freedom from your sin. And so this morning, if that's you, if you've never trusted Jesus, you can do so this morning by simply turning from your sin and placing your faith in Jesus. And so if you're here this morning and you've never done that and you would like to, there are pastors and their wives that are down here in the front. You can come. You respond. If you're a believer in here and you're saying, I, I need just to I need just to get my eyes, my ears focused back upon Jesus. But I just need somebody just to pray with me. I need someone just to pray with me to help me to understand. There are counselors that are here. There are pastors that you can come and talk to. But you respond however the Spirit leads this morning.